the power of synergy. My name is Gabrielle Cardona, and I'm a relationship coach. I've been in practice for 18 years, and I've been on BBS radio for some time now, but my other show was Yours, Mine, and Ours, because I really do like helping people with their relationships. When I started out almost two decades ago, I really wanted to be a life coach, and the people that were in my industry were saying, yeah, that's the new thing, that's the new buzz. We don't need therapists and counselors and psychiatrists. We want people who answer our questions, not with a question. And they ask us, how does that make you feel after we've just been bawling and spilling our guts for 45 minutes? Well, it makes me feel bad. Now, tell me how to make me feel good. How can I make myself? You know what? Help me help myself. And they don't really give you any answers. So... We want something substantial and substantive. And I thought, yeah, I want to be a a life coach. People how to score, teach people how to score in the game of life. And then I was doing it for a few years and people kept saying, no, you need to find your niche, your niche. You need to have a specialty because a relationship coach could be anything from a guru teaching transcendental meditation to, yeah, multi-level marketing scam artists giving you natural products, holistic products that you're paying way too much money for, but it's making your life better. So I thought, you know, I want to I want to specialize in something. A lot of the people who come to me to make their lives better, they would start out with a goal, you know, let's say I, I want a better job or I want to have a better investment, a, a security for my income, for my future. Some people would say, I really just want to have a good relationship. I don't even know what I want. You how, you tell me what I want. <laughs> that would be the best thing you could do. And every time it would come back to empowerment, personal empowerment comes from emotional strength that mental stability provides, and it all comes back down to relationships, the way we connect with the people in our life. Yeah, the important people, the the family members, the close personal friends, but even the people on the street that we don't know, the strangers, they're still an important part of our daily life. What's the difference between walking by someone, looking the other way, and looking directly at them and smiling? and saying, hi, how are you, and continuing to walk past. What's the difference that that creates? A huge difference, because our energy, our emotional energy, is based on our mind and our heart and our body. Humans are amazing. We can feel each other, and everything that we're feeling, other people can pick up on that. They absorb our energy. And I thought, you know, this is really important. I want to share with people the information that I know, and I want to learn from them as well. How can I become a better person? Everything that we give to each other, that's a great principle and philosophy. Let's propel that positive energy. Well, you know what? Unfortunately, I noticed that even people who were experts in the mental health industry were teaching people that in order to be confident, you have to not care about other people. Don't let other people affect you. Well, you know what? That's not true. We are humans. We care about other people. The only way you can not care about someone is by detaching yourself, disconnecting yourself from your own mind and heart. You can't do that and still be happy. My, my favorite thing to tell people about emotional energy, there is no neutral. If you are not positive, proactively positive, giving something of high quality to the people around you, you are defaulting into negative. There is no absence of feeling. There's no absence of energy. Energy is never neutral. If you have disconnected that technically qualifies as negative energy because it means you're holding something back. And when people are interacting with you, they want to feel what you're feeling. I actually had a very interesting recent experience. I became homeless. And for time on unforeseen occurrences, 
I had to stay in a homeless shelter. I met a lot of interesting people, and some of them I gave my card and my number and my new show time to, and I said, you know what? I can see you're having a hard time with this, and if you want to ask me a personal question that other people can listen to, my answer, you can be a part of something wonderful for yourself, yeah, but for other people too. Do you genuinely care? So I'm going to go ahead and open up the lines. I don't expect a whole lot of people to call in at this time. And I'm going to save at least the last 10 minutes of the show for as many questions as we can fit into the time that we have left. The number is 888-627-6008. If you have a question about relationships and your emotional energy that no one who really is supposed to know the answer to, either knows the answer to they genuinely might not know or they've just given you a whole lot of hot air or answered your question with a question and you want to ask someone who's a straight shooter who will give you a real answer to something that is important to you that you can put to good immediate use go ahead and give me a call but the first thing I want to talk about in my experience in this homeless shelter is the concept of respect Now, when I was a little girl, my father, we talk about respect sometimes, you know, from time to time. But the most, the greatest source that I would get that from, the most time that I would spend in the environment where, yeah, we're going to talk about this and we're going to make sure you're learning as as a young lady, as a woman, what respect is about was in my congregation. I would go to meetings several times a week and I had people, very important people in my life. So a lot of the presentation that it came from was the source of the Bible. The Bible would talk about respect, especially children respecting their parents, wives respecting their husbands. And to me, it always meant having a a profound feeling of admiration and honor. That meant that you had to truly value the person that you were respecting that you were interacting with. Yes, they often had a position of authority in your life. And so there were several things that you needed to acknowledge and appreciate about that person. One was their position, having that place in whether it was a company, whether it was in a social group, whether it was in a political arena, they had a responsibility to do a very, very important job. And so you would appreciate that position that they had, and you would honor that position by behaving to a very high standard. When you would interact with them, you would show your dignity that you really did appreciate and understand the value of the work that they were doing. And then there was the other, the other element of your emotional, genuine feelings that you had that you didn't necessarily show. For that person, you really did like who they were as an individual, completely separate from the external position that they held in your life. When you could see them as a person and say, I really like what you do, but I like and appreciate even more who you are because you are a high quality soul. That's how you got your position. That's why you are given that responsibility, that very important responsibility. You have the substance of character. You have the strength of mind. You have the moral principles that are necessary to have that kind of position. Yeah, respect was something you show, but respect is also something that you feel. Okay, well, my father was from a generation called the the silent generation who was born in the 30s. My mother was a baby boomer. She was born in the late 40s. And some things changed socially because politically the scene was changing. My father tended to present it more of it's about how you behave, but your behavior needs to be in harmony with what you think and feel. And you need to earn respect. If you want other people to respect you, you have to deserve it because it's about substance. Well, my mother, as a baby boomer, she was in a feminist generation and, well, military things going on. There was a a big political struggle between men and women. 
And it was about demanding respect. You didn't even command respect. You demanded respect. Doug, just let me know if anybody's calling in. You can go ahead and interrupt my, my monologue here. So as I was talking to my peers, I was born in 1976, so I'm Generation X. The things that I was hearing from my peers and on the media was different from what I heard from my mother, and it was completely different from what I heard from my father, and it was even different from what I was hearing from my congregation. So I, I thought, what is respect? What is that, that genuine feeling I'm supposed to feel? Well, the military, all the political things going on, taught something that absolutely made me want to vomit, and that was the order, the command, the, the position that you held in that institution of the military. They actually would tell people, I don't care what you think. I don't care how you feel. You are going to show me respect because I have a title and a position. Your thoughts and your feelings are absolutely worthless. What matters is what you give me. Wow. Okay. You know what? That right there to me means that you are a person who does not merit my heartfelt appreciation. Yeah, I can go ahead and behave in a very specific way in harmony with the principles of, yeah, you need to behave in a good way, no matter what anyone else is saying or doing, because it's the right thing to do. That's what I learned from the Bible. That's not negotiable. You could be around a hardened criminal who was swearing at you and abusing you. You still showed them respect because that's the principle. Okay, so yeah, I can go ahead and give you respect for your position, your job title, whatever it is that you're doing, but don't ask me to have that feeling. Well, you know what? They don't care about your feelings anyway. No, no, the congregation, the Bible kept telling me, actually, if you're saying one thing and you're thinking another, that's hypocrisy. If you're doing one thing and feeling a different way, that's a lie. You have to get that respect all the way down to your heart. And what you say and what you do has to be something you truly believe in your mind. You can be honest with someone and say, I don't appreciate the way you're treating me. The way you've just insulted me and sworn at me. You know what? Like they did in the shelter. The people in security, the people in authority, the administration, the executives, in the, the business. They would disrespect me. They would scream at me. They would accuse me of crime that I didn't commit. I still behave. Ah, here we go. We've got some good stuff going on in Phoenix. I'm in Phoenix now. I don't know if you can hear the uh, fire engines and the pop cars behind me. There are a lot of policemen. There are a lot of security guards. There are a lot of authority figures in the shelter, in the homeless shelter, and they are really horrible people. But I still behave in a respectful way to them. And I still give them the dignity and honor because it's a good behavior. It's a good way to be. But I'll tell you something. In my heart, I don't appreciate them. When they do those things to me, I don't really value them and I don't admire them. So I don't feel respect. I still had to work through my heart and my mind so that when I was behaving in a respectful way to them, it wasn't in a hypocritical way. Like a lot of the people who stay there, they're so angry and they're so bitter because they're treated like animals and like worthless people because they don't have a home or because they have a drug problem or because they have mental issues that really make life difficult for them. They're reaching out for help and they're treated like an inferior creation, an inferior human being not worthy of that same respect and honor and consideration. Well, you know what? I was there the first day. I was crying all day long. And they would yell at me because I didn't have my mask fully covering my face when I cried. I would go out to the um, desk because my nose was bleeding because there's bad air and the asbestos in the, the buildings and they don't clean and sanitize the way they're supposed to. So as I was coming out to get tissue paper, oh, yeah, that's another thing. They don't put tissue paper in the bathrooms. And there's no doors. Yeah. Okay, so as I was coming out to get the, the tissue from the front desk, they yelled at me because I wasn't wearing my shoes. <laughs> okay. So 
working through that, I actually had to find a place in my heart to get to positive energy. I thought about people in my life that I appreciate and that I genuinely do respect and the principles of don't be a hypocrite. Yeah, I continue to behave in a mature way. And you know what? Here's the key, ladies and gentlemen. The other people around me, they picked up on my feelings. They could see that when other people were screaming and swearing at me, I remained calm and I looked directly into their eyes. And then I responded in a mature and respectful way to them with a piece of heart. And they stopped fighting as well. They stopped being offended when they were being insulted and mistreated and abused by the security guards and the supervision, the night, the night crew. I knew that when I had positive energy, there is no neutral energy. I couldn't not care because that was negative energy and that would upset everyone around me as well. When they felt my positive energy, they calmed down as well. Then we would have conversations. We would talk about what was going on in their lives. They slept better at night. There was a woman who actually said to me, they didn't give me a mat. I don't have a blanket and the, the floor is very hard. I said, yeah, I'm on the floor too. You can have my mat. The security guard came over to me and said, did you give that woman your mat? Like I had broken a rule. I said, no, I didn't give it to her. I was just letting her use it for a few hours until she gets into a good quality state of sleep. Then I'm going to try and carry her over to a mat, another mat and, or a bed in the other room because no one here knows how to give rooms to people. Is that okay? Can I just lend her my bed for a few hours? Ooh, she wanted to fight with me, but I didn't give him anything to fight with. My energy was very positive, and it's more powerful than the negative. What I want to teach people through my show is let's be positive people. Let's be healthful people because that makes the people around us better people. Synergy is what two people create when their energy comes together. If you want to know how to be a better person, even when you're around people who disrespect you and intimidate you and threaten you and verbally abuse you, I'm going to start teaching my listeners the principles and life skills, how to make their lives better, even in an unpleasant, no, this is a, this is a downright scary situation. I haven't slept in two days because I'm afraid of the night crew. I'm going to teach people how to create powerful synergy with other people. One of my favorite principles in science is the sum is greater than the total of all of its parts combined. You actually create exponentially more powerful things in your world when you are uniting your energy with them. That can be positive. That can be negative. There is no neutral. You have a responsibility when you interact with people to be mindful. You have to be proactive and you have to be powerful. You're either going to do it in a positive way or you're going to do it in a negative way. There is no neutral. When I know that there are listeners out there who do genuinely want answers to their questions, I don't mind giving this information out for free. Usually I have my practice. It's uh, kind of expensive to hire me one-on-one. For people who are genuinely interested in, in learning how to get better about relationships, coming from healthy energy, they have every right to have free and unlimited access to this information. One of the most important things I teach people is to create positive energy within themselves by doing the things that their personality really does do naturally well. There are certain things that you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone can do everything. The question is, is that going to create positive energy inside of you? The kind of positive energy that can conquer bad energy, like the kind going on in this this unfortunate homeless shelter. When there are people around you, when everyone around you is being negative and destructive and threatening and intimidating, can you still have peace? Yes. The first thing I teach people is your dominant function. Know your dominant function. 
and do it nine to 10 hours a day, every day. That will fortify you mentally. It will strengthen you emotionally and it will empower you physically. Now, everybody's heard of Myers-Briggs. I'm just going to go over it real quick and the, the basics of it, because if you want the, the general basic overview, you can go onto any website and get any book for free in a library. I'm just going to go real quick once over on those basics and then explain functional order. Know your dominant function. By the end of the show today, you will know your dominant function. And then you can go ahead and get another book. <laughs> okay, so the the four letters of your personality, there are four dichotomies. The first one is your social energy. Now, I want you to think about yourself, not in the, the context of what you currently do. Think of it instead of what you naturally would do if no one pressured you to do something else. That's the real you, the natural you. The first dichotomy is your social energy, you're either an introvert or an extrovert. Now, remember, this is the technical terms. They're official terms just when it comes to MBTI because everyone says, I'm both. No, you do both. You cannot be both. You're either one or the other. So ask yourself three basic questions. Number one, when someone else is talking and it's your turn to talk, how important is it for you not to be interrupted? An introvert would say, I don't interrupt people, and I don't appreciate being interrupted. Okay, you're probably an introvert. Well, you know what? An extrovert, they don't even realize they're interrupting you because, you know, they don't mind when you interrupt them. That's just part of the, the synergy of the, <laughs> the conversation. Okay, the second question I ask people is, when you have a special event, how many people do you want there? An introvert only wants very special people. And only a few of them, an extrovert would honestly say, the more the merrier. I don't even have to know who you are. If you want to be a part of my party, that makes the party better. Okay, everybody knows their answer to that question. And the third one is, how many people do you actually call friends in life? You know what? I'm an introvert. That's the truth. And I like a lot of people. But from birth to death, I will only be able to count on one, maybe two hands, and that's only because I know about 200,000 people, the people that I would give that very special gift of that label to friends. Yeah, no, an introvert says, I get my, my energy from a very deep place inside of myself. I don't have a lot of it to spend. So when I give that friendship label to someone, it's because they're a special person. Okay, so that's the first the first letter of your personality, E or I. The second letter of your personality is, where do you focus your attention? Okay, well, you know, we've got a lot of stuff going on around us. We also have a lot of stuff going on inside of us. You're either a sensory or you're an intuitive. Okay, now think about the, the word introvert, got the letter I. Intuitive starts with the letter I, but we can't give it another, the same letter. Okay, so the second letter of the word intuitive, the N, is... The, um, the identification of intuitive. So either S or N. Now, like I said, we've got a lot of things going on around us at all times. And our senses, we have five senses that are absorbing everything and even interacting with everything going on around us. But our intuition is what our mind and heart and body is creating with all of that information. If you're an intuitive, you focus on what's going on inside of you. If you're sensory, you focus on what's going on around you. Now, I have a couple of questions that I like to ask people. The first one is, when you have an experience, like maybe a music or a food, a new food, uh, something that smells interesting, that looks interesting, how much do you want to have that experience? Even if you know on some level it might not be a very good experience, the experience itself is gratifying for you. Well, then you're probably a sensor. An intuitive would say, no, you know what? I, I know what I like, and I'm okay just sticking to what I like. <laughs> the next question I ask is, when you're thinking about life, well, we've got the right here, right now, and then we've got the future. Okay, well, you know what? A sensor would say, the only thing that's real is what's right here, right now. The future is a hypothetical. It's kind of an irrelevant, so I'm not going to waste my time wondering, philosophizing, yeah, thinking, hypothesizing. 
as an intuitive would say, yeah, the future is just as important as right now. How much are you willing to think about five minutes from now? Okay, well, you know what? That's going to determine whether you're a sensor or an intuitive. And my favorite question, the third one is, when you're using a word, how often are you literal and how often are you figurative? Well, when you ask someone a question, where are you? Well, a sensor would say, uh, I'm right here in front of your face. An intuitive would say, well, you know what? I'm at a really important part of my life. And I think what that means is, yeah, the sensor would be would be done with you by that time. <laughs> because, you know what? That's just a whole lot of too much thinking about things. I would rather have an experience create a life experience. An intuitive would say, well, I just had an experience inside of myself. And I'm going to be in that experience for another two or three days because I'm going to learn from that experience. The third letter is how you make decisions. You're either a thinker or a feeler. A lot of people don't like this because they think a feeler means you're overly emotional. Uh, A thinker means you're brilliant. No, I know a lot of really stupid thinkers and I know a lot of feelers. They're not emotional in any inappropriate way. Thinker just means you make decisions based on information and logical, rational thought, things that are really the most intelligent things to do based on logic, reason. Okay, yeah, a feeler would say, no, I need to make decisions based on how to bring happiness and pleasure and fulfillment to other people's lives. Giving to people is really what matters because that's what makes the quality of life better. Uh, Doug, I'm hearing some technical things going on in the background. Are we are we getting some calls, or are you are we having technical difficulties? No, we aren't. As a matter of fact, there's no technical difficulties on this end. Do you hear things in the background? Okay. Well, I haven't heard anything, so I'm just going to keep talking. Okay. Okay. And so when you're thinking about whether you're a thinker or a feeler and you can ask yourself some questions, it's very important to be honest with yourself. This is tough because a lot of people do things in life that are not true to their nature. When you're talking about what is important in life, if you had to give people, you know what, this is really bad news, but this is the truth. Are you okay being honest and direct with people? Yeah, you can still be thoughtful and considerate in the way you say it. Are you okay giving people bad news? Okay, your thinker would say, yeah, that's just part of life. A feeler would say, I really don't want to bring any kind of unhappiness to someone else. I really want to make everything I say and do bring them pleasure. Okay, well, another question that I like to ask people is really what is going to make you happy? A thinker would say, oh, yeah, I know exactly what would make me happy. And if you're offering it to me, I'll go ahead and take it. No problem. A feeler would say, help me help you. You make me happy. Giving to you makes me happy. And if someone would say, well, I want you to be happy, what would make you happy? A feeler would say, well, I just told you, making you happy. And then the thinker might get frustrated and say, okay, yeah, no, we'll just go ahead and... (laughs) And the most important question I ask someone when they're saying, well, I do both, I do both, I'm both. No, yes, you do both, but you are not both because one is more naturally easy for you than the other. The last question I ask people is, if I told you that you need to perform life-saving surgery on someone that you love very much and you had absolutely no idea how to perform that surgery, everything you did, was going to determine whether that person was going to survive or not, how hard would it be for you to perform critical, vital, life-saving surgery on someone, knowing that in order to save their life, you had to cause them pain? I'm going to give you the book. You can learn. And you have all the time in the world to learn and perform the surgery. How easy would it be for you to learn academic information that you had to immediately put to pragmatic, practical use in order to save someone's life by hurting them. 
a thinker would say, you know what, I'm going to read that book cover to cover and I'm going to get the whole thing down and I'm going to perform absolutely perfect surgery. And when they're done, I'll take them out for a meal. No, you know what, for beer, unless the surgery would hurt that. Okay, and a feeler would say, it would kill me. I don't even know that I would be able to read the book because their pain and suffering would rip my heart out. And if I had to be the one causing them pain and suffering, I would never forgive myself. That's a very good way to determine whether you're a thinker or a feeler. Now, the last one, and this is, I think, the one I have the most fun with (laughs) because nobody likes to commit to one or the other because they're both really good things to do. They're both very good ways to be. The last one is perceiver or judger. How do you carry out the decisions that you've made? Okay, well, you know what? Perceivers, they're flexible, they're spontaneous, they're laid back. Judgers are structured and disciplined and organized. Okay, now, yes, everybody needs to do, in certain situations, both of those things. The question, again, is which one is the most natural and enjoyable for you? Here's some questions that I like to ask people. The first one, do you like to make lists? When you're doing things in life, how much do you enjoy making a list, knowing at the beginning of the day what you are going to be doing all the way till the end? A perceiver would say, yeah, I like lists. They're fun. And I probably lose mine within two hours. A judger would say, no, I love lists. And especially if I put the times with the items that I'm going to be doing. And if I've done something in the day, extra, right, that I wasn't on the list originally, I get so excited when I cross something off my list, I will write it, the thing that I, extra thing I've done, just so that I can cross it off because I get so much satisfaction. Okay. Well, that's a good indication if you know already, just from your, your gut, you know what's really more pleasurable for you. Then you can go ahead and take a look at this next question because it's along the same lines. Do you get more excited when you start a project or when you finish it? A perceiver gets a lot of energy at the beginning and they start a lot of projects and they kind of lose their momentum and their motivation as they go through the process of completing the project, well, no, a judger, a J would say, I have some energy at the beginning, but the closer and closer and closer I get to the end, the more momentum and the more energy and the more excitement that I feel. If I'm not able to finish my project, I go crazy. Okay, yeah, we all know which one we are just on that, but here's the last one that I'd like to throw out there just for fun. When you have an appointment, how important is it for you to be on time? A judger, a Jay, would say, if my appointment is for 12.30, I need to be there at, at 12.15. Okay, it's very, very irresponsible to not be early. In fact, if I know that my 12.30 appointment, I'm going to be five minutes late because the bus route goes only this every hour or something, I would rather be 55 minutes early than five minutes late. Okay, well, then I'm going to be on the other bus. You know what a perceiver would say? Well, it, they might be busy. I, I'm not going to waste a whole bunch of time sitting there waiting that I could be spending doing something else. If the party doesn't really start until I show up. And if they're upset, you know what? There's ways we can work around it and get back in a good mood. And life is about time and unforeseen occurrences. You can't plan everything. Well, you know what? Jay would say, yes, you can. And yes, I do. And I'm very successful because of it. <laughs> so keeping that in mind, you have your E or I, your S or N, your T or F, and your P or J. That's 16 different personalities. That's a whole lot of variety that we have in the world. And going back to the principles of positive energy, it's very important when you have your good energy to know how to bring out other people's good energy, asking them what is the most natural thing for them, that's going to create a feeling of gratitude. That's going to give them a positive feeling of trust for you. And then... What that's also going to do is equip you to have them do things that they love to do, the things that are naturally the easiest for them, the most satisfying for them to do. I always tell people, if it was in the context of body parts, you don't go to a a heart to ask them to do math. That's a brain activity. You don't go to a muscle to to get firm and solid and and strong, stable, don't move, and... That's a bone, okay? You need to go to a bone when you need that firmness and stability and that strength and stillness. You go to a muscle when you've got a whole lot of activity that you need to get done and you need the flexibility and the spontaneity. You know what? Hearts, they're good for the love and support and the generosity. 
and brains. They can solve any problem that you have. They don't even want to do the work. They just want to give you all the answers and all the solutions to all of the different complex ideas because there's a lot of different factors. And think of the synapses in a brain. They're never shut down. They're going 24-7. So this is the most important thing. Now, if you want to actually take down notes, I'm going to be going over this for the next few weeks in my show in greater detail, how you determine your functional order. And good thing this, this show is recorded, so if you need to play it, play it back, then you can go ahead and do that as many times as you need so you can take these notes. Now, the functional order means everybody does everything. It's not a question of performance. It's a question of which things do you do most naturally, which things do you do best naturally, and which things bring you the most fulfillment naturally. If you need a motivation or a compensation or a restoration, recovery time when you're done, that's not necessarily something that is natural for you, okay? Your dominant function is something you need to do 60% of your day, 9 to 10 hours a day. Your auxiliary function, you shouldn't do it for more than 3 to 4 hours a day. That's 20%. Your uh, tertiary... (laughs) Your tertiary function, you shouldn't do more for more than about two to three hours a day. That's 15%. And your inferior function, you should not do that for more than 5% of your waking day. If you're awake 16 hours, you shouldn't be doing it for more than 45 minutes to an hour and a half. So when you're looking at the letters of your personality and thinking about how you're still going to have to do the activities of letters that are not your personality, you need to know very clearly what things you should be doing for nine hours a day, and which ones you need to stop after 45 minutes. So I'll tell you the formula here. The last letter tells you which of the two middle letters has an extroverted orientation. So you look at the P or the J. That's going to tell you if it's your second letter or your third letter that behaves in an extroverted way, even if you're an introvert. You are going to do some things in a socially interactively preferred feeling and thought. Now, the second letter of your personality is a, is a perceiving activity. The sensing and intuition, those are perceptive activities. So if the last letter of your personality is a P, the second letter of your personality will be extrovertedly inclined. If the last letter of your personality is a J, then it will be the third letter, the T or the S, that will be extroverted. Okay, so P means the second letter is extroverted. J means the third letter is extroverted. So then the other letter of your personality, the one that's not extroverted, will be introverted. So if the second letter is extroverted, your third letter will be introverted. If your third letter is extroverted, your second letter will be will be introverted. That's going to help you because the first letter of your personality is going to tell you which one you like to do more. You do both kinds of activities. The first letter tells you which one of those activities you want to do more often. If you're an introvert, then that means your introvertedly inclined letter is going to be number one. If you're an extrovert, your extrovertedly inclined activity will be number one. But this is a very important thing. Once you get your dominant function, you say, okay, That's the activity that I need to do for 9 to 10 hours a day. What about all the other stuff? It is important to do everything in life. But just think about how many hours in a day, if you're awake for 16 hours and doing your dominant function for 9 to 10 hours, that's going to keep the quality of your mind and your body and your heart in a very high state. It's going to be very positive. It's going to be very healthy. Well, you think, you know, I can do the other activities. I don't really need to do it that much. Yeah, you do. Because when you're doing other things instead of your true nature, that's stifling who you are. It's repressing and it's suppressing what you need to do to take care of yourself. You actually have a purpose in life. Your purpose in life is your dominant function. And when you're doing healthy things in your dominant function, you will have more energy to give to other people. The energy that you give to other people will be more positive. 
in the next few weeks, I'm going to be going down the other three activities, the auxiliary level, that's the number two, the tertiary level, that's the number three, and the inferior level, that's the number four. Again, those are things that you shouldn't be doing very often, but it is important to keep them in the right percentages. And I'm pretty sure I've given half of my listeners a headache, so I'm not going to go into a lot of it in the detail right now other than the, the time that you spent. Take an inventory right now of yourself. And, you know, you use that, that example of put the mask on you, right, before you help anybody else. Well, you know what a feeling might say? That's kind of selfish. But if when you're putting the mask on yourself, you are becoming a better quality person, you will have the strength and the energy and the willingness to say, I'm going to be around people who are unprofessional, they're abusive, they're inappropriate, and I can still be a good quality soul because I take excellent care of myself. So I'm going to be proactive instead of reactive. I'm going to give instead of take. And I'm going to infect, infect other people's minds and hearts with positive energy. Positive is always more powerful than negative. I love the, the scripture that says, keep conquering evil with good. If you know that you have the capacity, since there is no neutral energy, you have the capacity to either harm people or help them in everything you do. How much do you actually want to do things that are for a high, higher cause, a better cause in a higher quality state? Only you know the answer to that question. Do you think that you are worth investing your time in if you know that you become exponentially better, not only the things that you do, like respectful things, but the things that you think and you're feeling while you're doing those high-quality acts, people can feel when you're hypocritical. They can feel that when you're doing something perfunctory or mandatory and you really would rather not. Yeah, there was a lady behind the counter who was glaring at me as she was asking me my information. She was definitely following procedure, and she was not yelling at me, and she was not swearing at me, but I definitely felt like she wanted to. Well, you know what? Then that doesn't count. I'm sorry. You, you did make me feel really bad the whole time I was talking to you, and it's going to take me a while to get over that negative feeling. When you're looking at people and when you're talking to people and when you're acting, interacting with them in a positive way, is it truly you? Know your dominant function. Do your dominant function activity for 9 to 10 hours a day. That's the experiment that I want to give my listeners. Next week, we're going to get into the other activities, but we're also going to get into different themes. I've got a lot of people who are on my list. They're going to listen to the show, and they're going to have their questions that they're going to submit to me in writing because not everyone is available on the phone at the time that we're live. I'm going to be talking about different things about synergy, social energy, and emotional strength of character. In the context of personality profiling, you're going to understand what an auxiliary function activity is, and you can say to the people in your life who do want to help you and their positive energy they want to give to you from the heart, you can say to them, this is what I need. I'm going to take excellent care of myself. Because when I take good quality care of myself, everything that I am and do for you is going to make your life better. It's not just about the one thing that I've done for you this one time. It's about you picking up on my energy and you trusting me and you loving me from the heart. That's something you can't buy. And when you go down the street some other time in life and you see that person, You come together, your synergy is powerful. The people standing next to you can feel the positive energy that you have created with that person. They are more likely to laugh at the joke that you made with that person just because you're laughing. Your positive energy will be contagious. Everything that we do with and for and to and around each other affects everybody. And don't ever say to yourself, I don't care. I'm too healthy to care about you. That's actually very hurtful and very destructive because no matter what we say, we do affect other people and we are affected by them. 
everything that you need, people really do want to give to you. They really do appreciate it when you not only accept their gift because they've discerned that you needed it, but you appreciate their gift and you thank them for it. How much does it really matter to you when you offer someone a genuine gift from the heart that you you know they need? Or you think, you know what, you may have even made a mistake. It matters a lot because being rejected really does affect us. Whether we want to believe it or not, we care what other people think and we need to be needed. Think of it in the terms of the child. You know what? They give us a really gross piece of candy and they make something in the kitchen and we're not real sure what's in it and if we're going to need to be rushed to the emergency room. But when they have a great big grin on their face and they offer it to you, what do you do? You smile at them and you say, thank you so much. And you eat it or you wear it or you use it, whatever it's there for. And when they run away giggling and excited and jumping up and down, how much good did you do for their soul? How much did what you just did for them in accepting their love, how much did that really and truly affect them? You might be surprised, but a whole lot. Maybe you're not surprised because in your heart you do know that it's important because it's important to you too. How many times when you say to someone, I really don't like this, I'm, I'm really having a hard time, someone say to you, well, I don't really care. You know what? If they did do that, it's probably because they're in a lot of pain. And if you have the ability to say or do or be something that's good for them, that's loving and generous and warm for them, how much how much would you like to know that, what they need? <laughs> I actually had a stranger, a strange man come up to me today while I was waiting to get a bus pass, right, at the shelter. And he said, I have no idea why she hates me. He just started, she just started sharing with me this relationship dynamic that he has with a woman. All he kept saying was, I wish she would tell me what she needs. I wish she would tell me what I could do. I have no idea why she's angry at me. How many people really would want to know how to make things better? All you have to do is have that positive energy when you're with them. Yeah, you got to be specific and make sure that what you're asking for is going to be good for you and it's going to put you in a high-quality state. A lot of people would love to have the opportunity to give you a high-quality gift. It's not only going to make you feel better in the moment, but it's going to make you perform better in the, the long-term, big picture, whatever it is, and it's going to create a trust. That's the other thing I wanted to share with my listeners today. Trust is about surrender. I kid you not, I was in that, that shelter for not even two hours, and I had four people literally come up to me saying, do not put your purse down. Do not put your phone down. Don't trust anybody. And I thought, wow, that's really unfortunate that nobody trusts anybody. If you had good, positive energy, heartfelt, good quality, positive energy, and you were around people who, you know what, otherwise might not be so trustworthy, yeah, if they felt that from you, if they picked up on that from you and you smiled at them, how hard would it be for them to actually abuse you? A lot harder than you might think at first. When they feel that you're a good person and you have a good heart, that calms them down and they don't need to do harmful things to you or to other people. But it has to be real. Because people can feel what's real and what's not. I've actually left my purse and my phone in many places, and I'm not worried because when I say to the people around me, you know what, I'm going to be okay being vulnerable, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, and I trust you to do the right thing because I respect you, 
not only in the way that I treat you, but in the way that I feel about you, they are so excited because no one gives them that credit and no one gives them that consideration. Yeah, it is important to give people the consideration. Just as an act of decency. But it's even more important to genuinely have a heartfelt motivation of making their life better, knowing that the responsibility that you have with your power to create synergy, the positive, exponentially better energy than what you had when you were alone because the sum is greater than the total of its parts. Yeah. You have that power and you have that opportunity in everything you do. How do you feel about your social responsibility? We don't have to be like the people around us. We can be good people even when we're surrounded by bad people. And if you know that the potential effect that you're being good can have on other people, not only in that situation, getting rid of problems that would otherwise become worse, but having a long-term effect on them of increasing their strength emotionally and improving their stability mentally and supporting them, giving them energy physically. Would you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? Do you think you're able to do that? If you have the capacity to spend your emotional energy in a negative way to hurt people, you definitely have the ability to do the exact same thing in a positive way, in a proactive way, to do permanent, long-term good. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a very important thing that we all need to take a look at. With COVID-19 dividing us because we're separated from each other, we are literally physically separated from each other. We don't see the smiles on our faces. We can't shake our hands. We can't even stand close to the person next to us. We have to have that social distance. Now is the time to take a look at what we're doing. Take an inventory of not only our behavior and our words, but our thoughts and our feelings. I'm going to say it again. There is no neutral energy. Everything you do has a positive or a negative reaction. And a long-term effect because humans are not like animals. We do affect each other and we need each other and we appreciate each other. Thank you so much for listening to the show today and please keep in mind that I check the written request for information very, very frequently. It's the only way people communicate these days. (laughs) But if you ever want to call in and actually talk to me, I do like having a dialogue and I appreciate a lot of differences of opinion, and I want my, my listeners to have people asking the questions that, you know, I didn't think, I thought I was the only one thinking that and feeling that. Yeah, let's share information because knowledge is power. There's never neutral energy. The power that create, we create with our synergy. I'll see you next week.